Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Man, we are going to get into the Word today, and I, oh boy, I can't tell you how excited I am for this series. This series, um, boy, as you think about your life with God, your life as a Christian, there are some foundational truths that we hold to in our life that give us a path to run on, that give us clarity, that give us guidance for our lives. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to process through that foundation for our lives. And we're going to be talking about the book of Romans. We're going to be going through the book of Romans. I tell you what, oh man, oh man. Romans is an incredible, incredible book, amazing book. And there's so much in it That as we've been preparing, we realize that really what we're going to do is talk about Romans for the next three years. (laughs) I'm kidding, kind of. And the reason I say that I'm kind of kidding is Romans has basis in every other part of Scripture. We're going to get into how pivotal Romans is to our walk with God, how important it is for us to be able to understand it and dig into it a little bit more. Um, this morning, as you're getting ready to uh, take notes, you can, um, you can you know, text OLC notes to 94,000. Uh, you can also grab your paper and a pen and something to take notes with and dig in this morning and you can fill in uh, the blanks and we'll go through this together and be able to process with what God is saying. Uh, I'm going to pray one more time because, you know, there's never enough prayer. Prayer is always a really good thing. And just ask him to be here in this time. Jesus, we love you so much. You're good. And Father, I pray that now as we turn to the word, that Father, that you would be here in this place. Lord, I pray that you would just anoint my words and anoint this time as we dig into the truth of scripture. We praise you. You are so good and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Let me start by just welcoming everybody who's online this morning. It's so good to have you joining from wherever you are. I know. Yeah, come on. Let's give everyone online a hand. We're so glad you're here. I know people are joining in from all over the country, and we've got people in different places, as well as people that are maybe sick and not able to be here. You're part of our family. We're so glad that you're here through technology today. Um, today is, uh, is Palm Sunday, as we dig into Romans. Uh, Palm Sunday is very significant because it begins Holy Week, and um, it was the day where uh, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. And what was so powerful about this event is that It was the declaration of who he was, but not necessarily what people thought or who people thought that he was. Remember that a lot of people, when Jesus was there, was thinking he was going to be this massive political and military figure that was going to come in and just whoop up on the Romans. And Jesus did anything but that. He wasn't even cared about that. He cared about the salvation and the freedom of souls. And that's what he was all about. And we see this beautiful, beautiful scene that takes place there where everyone begins to worship him and, and, and praise him and lift him up. And there was a criticism like, to, to, to Jesus, like, why are you letting your disciples do this? Like, are you earth to Jesus? Like, do you know what they're doing? And, uh, and he said, no, 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 let them do it because if they don't, the rocks are going to cry out. What does this symbolize? The fact that Jesus and and God deserve praise and adoration. And they will receive it from creation, 
from all of creation. And so, um, so today as we praise and as we worship, we declare who he is in this place. And this is the power of, of uh, Palm Sunday. Now, Romans, um, Romans is an incredible book. Just to give you a little, uh, Romans has a special place in, in my heart because my dad, it's one of the classes my dad's been teaching for 45 years. And, and so the conversation around Romans is one that I've had my entire life. And, and, and I love it because Romans is so rich and so powerful and, uh, and digging into it. It's going to probably bring up some questions for you, which is good. It's really good for us to wrestle, to learn, to figure out what all of this is and what we believe. And so I'd encourage you to go on this journey as we, as we unpack Romans. Today, what I'm going to do is um, I want to give you some background to the book. Um, we're going to dig into Romans 1 next week. And when I say that we're going to take three years to go through Romans, next week for Easter, I'm going to go through Romans 1, verses 1 through 7. We're going to be here for a while. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> everyone's like, really? Is that, is that what we're doing? Um, but it is, it is going to be amazing. But I want to give us a little bit of background so that we can understand Romans. It's really important that whenever we unpack any of these books of the Bible, that we understand the context for which they were written in. And this is what context is, okay? The Bible is written for us, but it was written to a different generation, it was written to a different audience. And it's important for us to understand the distinction between that, to understand who it was written to so that we can then apply it to our lives. It's not one of these things that it just negates it from being applied to our lives, but it's how we can understand and the, and the surrounding elements of it will help us to be really able to grab a hold of what this is, okay? Um, this is, this is, as we go through, the key with any book study that like we're going to be doing is you want to look at key phrases. You want to look at key themes. You want to look at, at things that are laid out in the book because the writer is doing that for a very specific reason. He's using wordage. He's using phrasing. He's using themes to speak to the audience that he's going after. Okay, And so it's going to be important for us to understand this. Now, when we look at Romans, Romans is part of what's called Pauline literature. Pauline literature is very simply this, the letters written by Paul to the church, okay? Simple as that. Romans through Philemon are these letters that, that, that Paul wrote to specific churches that dealt with specific issues going on, okay? Now, the interesting thing about Romans is Romans is not the first book or not the first letter that was written by Paul. Uh, it's believed just by dating that First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, there we go, I'll get it, is actually the first book and the first letter that was actually written by Paul, but yet it's not the first. So what makes Romans so pivotal and key and placed where it is? It's done for a very specific reason, and that's this. As we look at the entirety of Scripture, the Gospels tell the story of Christ and Romans explains why it's so important. You get through the Gospels and you see everything that Jesus did and you see the new covenant established and you see the, the cross and you see the salvation of sins and, and the Gospel displayed and it's just this powerful thing that takes place. And then out of that, we see Acts and we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the institution of the New Testament church as it was going to be laid out. And then immediately after that, we step into Romans. And Romans now is the bridge that connects the Gospels and connects the rest of Pauline literature. 
But what's really cool about Paul, and we're going to get into this in just a second, is that it doesn't just connect the Gospels, it connects the entirety of the Old Testament. And Romans now makes sense of all of this stuff that had been written in the Torah and everything that had been handed down from generation to generation. It took it and now, in light of the cross, made sense. And so Paul is going to outline this to everybody to be able to understand what's going on, okay? Romans shows us this, simply what's flexible and what's not. There's some stuff that we can get really, really hung up on. There's a lot of different theories and a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different things. And what Paul shows us here is there is an element of those things that aren't important. Churches split on the minors. Hear me on that. The church in today's day and age, and even in the time of Paul, was so divided on all of these things that really did not matter. Paul says, listen, these are the important fixed things that you need to have figured out in your life. Major on the major, minor on the minors. And he tells us this when we're getting into it, okay? Romans also shows us how God is going to finish his master plan. The master plan that began back at the beginning of time, creation that was set in place. Romans talks about how Jesus is going to come back and how he's going to finish up this plan and how it's all going to culminate. It's this beautiful thing that you can be able to look throughout biblical history and see what God's going to do. Okay. Now, now there's been a lot of people that have written things about Romans. And I want to give you a couple quotes because this just, the, the way that these surmises is so awesome. Okay. The first of these is from Martin Luther. Martin Luther says this, that it is the true, speaking of Romans, it's the true masterpiece of the New Testament and the very purest gospel, which is well worthy and deserving that any Christian man or woman should not only learn it by heart, word for word. Does anybody have Romans learn by heart, word for word? I think we all have a lot of work to do. But also <laughs> that he should deal daily with it as the daily bread of men's souls. For it can never be too much or too well read or studied. And the more it is handled, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. Martin Luther wrote this about Romans. Sounds pretty incredible. Anybody getting excited for Romans? Okay, all right, good, awesome. John Calvin, who ended up being the, the, the leader of the Calvinist belief system. John Calvin, in, in who he was, was just a brilliant man when, when he, his study of the word. But he says this, for when anyone understands this epistle, Romans, he has a passage open to him to the understanding of the whole scripture. So this is the kingpin. This is the, this is the, the thing that is going to make everything else make so much sense. This is why Romans is so important. In Romans is presented the clearest theology and entire process of the redemption laid out for us. Paul is going to make this very succinct, lay it out so that there's no confusion as you're able to start processing through with it, okay? So this is, this is what Paul is going to do in this. We're going to see the gospel laid out on every page of Romans. Every time Paul talks, he, everything is going to point to the gospel, and is going to be able for us to be able to understand this plan of Jesus. The bottom line of Romans is this. As we're going through Romans, I want you to, to keep this in mind, that we're all on a spiritual journey, and we all have questions. Yeah. None of us have arrived. 
And if you have it all figured out, I would love to talk with you. (laughs) None of us have it figured out. We're all on a spiritual journey, right? And we all have questions that need to be answered. Understanding Romans will help us to be able to answer these questions that we have about our lives, okay? Now, this is all, it seems like a setup. I'm trying to sell you on Romans. I think you're all there. We're done. We can move on. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about the author for a second. The author, Paul, obviously is the author. Now, Paul is amazing, uh, an incredible guy. And, and this is what's so cool about Paul. This is what I love about Paul. Paul had this, he had all of the elements of what set him up to be an apostle. Paul was a Jew. He had the lineage of Judaism, okay? His family line was connected to the family line of Abraham. He was a Jew in lineage. But he was also highly, highly educated. He had one of the most um, genius minds training him as he rose. Gamaliel was his instructor and raised him. And all of the information and all the knowledge that Paul learned as he grew up was through this man. Now, Gamaliel was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish Pharisee. What was interesting about Gamaliel is he actually was instrumental in getting people and getting the Jews to not persecute the church. He understood something different about what he was teaching his people. So Paul grew up in this. Think about this then. Paul grew up in all this knowledge, knowing that there was something more, but not fully getting it yet. So Paul grew up and he had the lineage, he had the knowledge and the education, but he lacked one thing. And because of that one thing, he got really off. And what was the one thing? An encounter with Jesus. And so what does God do? He comes and he says, okay, Paul, boy, I I am setting you up as this incredible mouthpiece for me to the Gentiles. You have the lineage, you have the education, you have the history, you have the background, and now you are going to have a personal encounter with Jesus that's going to bring everything into alignment and make sense. Paul had the entire experience. He had the wisdom, and he had the encounter with Jesus. Can I just say that for us here as believers, we need knowledge, If we are not in the word of God, if we are not learning what the word of God says, if we are not studying it and becoming students of the word, we miss a drastically important part of our spiritual life. If we think that we can just skate by with knowing a few simple scriptures and expect that to just do it, we're mistaken. What Paul teaches us is the importance of digging down deep into the word of God. My hope through this is that you are challenged to dig a little bit deeper into the word of God. To not allow your knowledge of what you've known before keep you from experiencing some new revelation that God has for you. My, my hope is that you will read it daily. You'll ingest it. You'll, you'll wrestle with it. You'll process through it. Why? Because we need to grow in our knowledge. But also, we need to have a relationship and an encounter with the love of God. If we're all knowledge then the way it comes across is like a guy who was so zealous for the word of God that he persecuted the church through people and threw Christians into prison and was responsible for tearing it down. We have to have both. This, this is the utmost importance for us. See, you can know a lot about God and not know God. You can know a lot of the stuff that helps you to live this good life, but not have a relationship with Jesus. And you can't have one without the other. 
Guys, this is so, so, so key. My prayer for you is as we go through this, that both of these things come together in your life, that your knowledge of the word deepens, and that also your relationship with Jesus and the understanding of the gospel and his love for you grows in this time. Paul then was set up in this beautiful, oh man, this, just this complete package to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Think about this. He was a Jew, and he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Why? Knowledge, education, wisdom, encounter with Jesus. He was able to say, listen, I know scripture. And now because I know scripture, I can apply it to a generation that's lost and needs Jesus just as much as the Jews. And so he was the apostle. Now, here's why, here's why the, the apostle to the Gentiles is so important for us. Unless you're somebody here who is of Jewish lineage in your family line, guess what? We're all Gentiles. <laughs> Yay us. And that means as we read this, it applies to us. Paul is talking to us. And he's helping us to understand this relationship that we have with the creator of the universe. So this is Paul. Paul's an amazing guy. And, uh, and, and I, I, I love just the, the whole piece of it together. Now the book, Romans, the book of Romans. That is, that is the book we're going through, in case you missed it. Um, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're talking about. Um, Romans is what is considered task theology, okay? Task theology is this. It deals with specific theological and social needs of the audience, okay? Romans was going to deal with and help the church in Rome with some specific needs that they had. But can I tell you something? That those needs that Rome had are the exact same thing that we have here in Nampa, Idaho. And you're going to see as we go through Romans that it applies to our lives right here today. But this is, this is what we need to understand, right? Now, most of Paul's writing was addressing specific things in churches that were off. Things that were taking place, things, you know, people who were in uh, open sin and leadership and all of these kinds of things he's, he was dealing with. Romans was very different, though, because what he was doing in writing the, this letter to the Romans was just answering the need to, to, to provide some basic doctrine for that church. He wasn't addressing some sin issue. He wasn't addressing all that. He was addressing all of the sin issues, right? Like it was, it was broad for everybody because he was trying to establish this basic doctrine for them to be able to understand. So this is what's happening as we go in. Now, the social climate of Rome. I want to walk through this because this is going to speak to us right here. Um, prior to the book of Romans being written, uh, Claudius was the emperor. Now, uh, Claudius was, um, and you can put this picture up. Go ahead and put the picture of Claudius up. There we go. All right, perfect. Claudius um, was the emperor before Romans was written. And this is, what Paul, this is what Claudius did. Claudius got ticked off at the Jews because they weren't doing what he wanted them to do. And so it ended up that he actually expelled and kicked the Jews out of Rome between the year 41 and 53 AD, right? This is, this is what he actually did. He just kicked him out. I've had it, done. And what was interesting about this is that the church in Rome went from a mixture of Jew and Gentiles to Gentile only overnight. Now, now this is going to be very, very important for us. Because after Claudius dies, the Jews came back into Rome to their church. 
but their church looked way different than when they left. You have a completely Gentile congregation. It's going to feel a little different. It's going to look a little different. And the Jews are coming back in going, that's not our church. What's the reminder? It's not their church. It's Jesus's church. And Jesus is the one who is building his church. And he's creating us to be one in Christ. This is a social climate. There was a division within the church over this issue. The Jews had problems with the Gentiles. The Gentiles had problems with the Jews. And Paul's writing to go, hey, listen, listen, listen. There's some foundational stuff that will answer everything that you guys are feeling here. And we're going to get to the bottom of this, okay? So this is it. Now, the book itself, Romans, was written in 56 AD. 56 AD. This was about two-thirds through Paul's life that he actually wrote this book there, okay? Now, here's where this gets really interesting and the sovereignty of God for why something was written at a specific time. At the time that Paul was writing this to the church in Rome, Nero was ruling. Now, if you know anything about Nero, Nero was, was not necessarily the best guy in the world. Like, parents, if you want a role model for your son to follow as he grows up and matures, it's not Nero. Just pick somebody else, right? It's just, it's just not. Nero stepped into leadership of Rome in 54 AD. But here's what's so interesting about Nero. Nero was responsible for the first systematic execution of Christians and, uh, where am I at? Oh, yeah. And churned the public feeling of the people against the church. He was responsible for the first massacre of Christians. Really outstanding guy. That's a joke. You guys can laugh. That's not, a, that's not good. And when he, the way that he actually churned the popular opinion of culture towards the church is he actually started a fire. And in starting the fire, he blamed it on the Christians because he hated Christians so much that he was trying to get the world churned and that in the Roman culture churned against the Christians. He hated them that much. This was also the guy that was ultimately going to be responsible for the death of Peter and Paul. Okay, this, this is the guy that we're dealing with here. Now, why is it so important for us to realize this? Because it is in this context when you have a tyrannical, anti-Christian leader in place who is full-on oppressing, executing, and coming against the Christians, that Paul writes these words, let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Paul was not writing this to a church that had a King David as their leader. He was writing to somebody, to people whose leader was oppressing them, was coming against them, was not for them. Why is this important? What happens with a church if our leaders do not hold our same political, religious, and moral standards. What do you do with that? Paul's going to address this because here's the deal. 
The church in America today, and I'm probably going to step on toes, but that's okay. The church in America today has become split down the middle between a Republican and Democrat, conservative and liberal. Paul's writing to a church and he says, listen, I know the leader is not the best guy in the world. I know he actually doesn't have your best interest in mind all the time, but God sets authority in place. And how are you going to respond as Christians in that scenario? It's not Democrat. It's not Republican. It's not conservative. It's not liberal. It's Christian. We have a responsibility to live out in this world as Christians, but to do it the right way. Paul is going to encourage us on what it means to actually live in a political system that you don't agree with all the time, but how to still shine a light, how to still be honoring, and how to still live for Christ. I don't care if you voted for the guy, didn't vote for the guy, like the guy, don't like the guy. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus and you wear an F Joe Biden shirt, you are dead wrong, disrespectful, you're not honoring, and you're just wrong. You are, because God has called us, and through Romans, to honor, to respect. Does that mean to fall in line with? No, but there is a way to honor, and that is what Paul is going to write to. Okay. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Do you guys hear what I'm saying here? We're better than that. God's called us to be a light in the darkness, not to add to the darkness, not to add to the confusion, not to come in and start creating all this weird stuff. No, we're supposed to cut through that. I mean, come on, you guys. We've been given such a mandate. Let's live in it. Man, I, 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 I really hope that anybody who associates themselves with one life, when, when we're out and we're in our workplaces and when we're connecting with people, and when people talk to us and they find that we are part of One Life Church, that we are part of the church, the Big C Church, they will go, oh, that's cool. They live very differently, and there's something attractional about that. There's something, there's something different. That's what I hope. And we don't just create more confusion in the world. Um, okay. You may send your letters to Ellie at olc.church. <laughs> and, uh, and that will be fantastic. All right. You guys good? You hear, you hear my heart? You hear my heart? Okay. All right. Good. All right. Key, key verse. Key verse. Uh, Romans uh, 1 and verse 16 and 17 is, is the key verse of this whole thing. And I'm going to put it up here and read through it. It says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first to the Jew and also to the Greek for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from what faith to faith as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Romans is going to deal with this paradigm that exists between righteousness, which is right living, and faith, and how those two things join together. Now, what does Paul say in this passage that is so important? He's not ashamed of the gospel. 
Now let's just get on the same page right now with the gospel that we all confess. The gospel is this, that you were created by God in the image of God, but yet sin came into the world because of one man back in the garden. And sin has permeated the world ever since then. And because of that, we all are born into sin. You are born a sinner and the punishment for your sin is death and in a place of hell for an eternity. But God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And when he died, his shed, his shed blood on the cross paid for your sins. It actually paid the penalty that you could never pay. I have news for you. You can't be good enough. You can't live a perfect life. You can't even pretend to live good enough to be able to outdo all of your sinful nature. It's impossible. But Jesus came and paid for all of it. All past, present, and future sin is covered on the cross. Jesus died. He rose again. And when he rose, he conquered sin and death and the grave. And how many are excited about that? Let's not get confused about some other gospel. This is the gospel. So whenever we talk about the gospel going through Romans, this is it. This is it, right? Now, hopefully we're all on the same page of believing that. And if not, well, it'll be a great conversation. Well, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. But this is what it is, okay? So this thing. Now, let me give you an outline of, of, uh, of how the book breaks down. I'm going to give you a four-part outline, and it has to do with this word righteousness, okay? Righteousness is going to be talked about, I think it's the second most talked about word in the book of Romans, okay? And righteousness is being right. So Paul's going to talk about the importance of, of righteousness, of being right. Now, the, the problem becomes none of us can actually do that. So then What? We're, we're in big trouble. So the first part of Romans breaks out like this. You can write this down. The first of them is righteousness required. God requires righteousness from his people. He requires us to be right before him. If not, we are outcast from the presence of God and we're cast into hell. Okay, that's just what it is. The wrath of sin is coming. Okay, that it, it's coming. Like, let's not, let's not beat around the bush here. The wrathful God is coming to judge sin, okay? So he says, I need you to be right before me. Well, it's impossible for us to do that on our own. So what do we do, Paul? Well, first of all, he levels, levels the playing field and says, whether you're Jew, Gentile, anyone, everybody needs to be right before God. And this is chapters one through three. Then you get to chapters four through eight. Righteousness received. Righteousness received. We could not earn it on our own. So Jesus came and did what we could never do on our own, paid for our sins, and in doing so made us right with God. Yeah, just, just think about this for a second. I want you to think about yourself on your absolute worst day, the worst sin that you've done in your entire life. I just want you to think about it for a second. And then I want you to think about because of Jesus and because of the cross, that's, that's paid for, done, forgiven. Like, like done, like gone. Hebrews says it's forgiven and forgotten. Like, wh what? You've received righteousness from Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, and you've accepted him into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior, and your faith declaration is that he died for your sins, you're right. 
You see how simple that is? Boy, we make it complicated, don't we? Oh, yeah, I have Jesus. I've got, he's in my heart, and, but I'm still, I got to live through this. And oh, man, I still got to earn it. And, uh, yeah, I, and we start to, to, to live in this like, I'm doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm doing all these things, I'm not doing these things. Ah, and we forget, oh, Jesus. Right? It's the powerful thing about this. Okay, so righteousness received. Okay? Then you move on to the next. Chapters 9 through 11 is righteousness rejected. Because you see, when Jesus comes and the righteousness that he brings to your life, you have to either receive it or reject it. You have to either say, I'm going to live in the righteousness of Christ and I'm going to walk redeemed. I'm going to walk paid for. I'm going to walk forgiven. Or no, I'm going to still, I think I can figure it out on my own and get it all sorted out. We do have a choice. Each one of us has a choice. We either choose to let Jesus do what we can't, or we make the choice to try to do what we can't. We have to come face to face with this decision in our lives, this choice. Will we reject or will we receive? The final part of it is righteousness revealed. When we have received the righteousness of Christ, and when we live right before him because of the work of the cross, then that shapes and changes the way that we live life. It will have an impact on our lives. It'll have an impact on the way that we treat people. It'll have an impact on what we say and what we do and what we spend our time on. Like it'll have an impact of that and that righteousness of Jesus. Now here's the difference. It's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus is then shown through you. You reveal the righteousness of Jesus through you. Not your own righteousness, not your own works, not your own doing. You reveal Jesus who's inside of you. And this is what it means to reveal this. Okay, so this is the four-part outline. There's different things that have broken Romans up into all kinds of different things, but this four-part is what's going to really shape what we do, all right, to give us some handles on. It's it's the simplest way to kind of break it up um, so that we kind of have some understanding as we go through. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, one more issue, and then I'm going to get into the themes, and then we're going to wrap it up here today. One more issue that is going to be dealt with within Romans is the issue of the Jews, okay? Um, Because Paul's going to address that. Remember, Paul is a Jew. He's a Jewish Pharisee, right? And there is an issue because there is, and he's going to answer the question, is there an advantage to Judaism? Like, do they have an advantage? Do they have a privilege? And the answer is, yes, they do. The answer is the Jews were the first ones to receive scripture. They were the first ones to receive the words of God. This was powerful. This is what set them apart. This was so amazing that they had that. But what Paul is going to do is he's going to talk about the importance of how you handle privilege. How do you handle this advantage that you've been given? Will you handle it right or will you handle it wrong? And see, many of the Jews we're going to find as Paul works through here, we're not handling it from a right perspective. Many were getting saved 
And there were Messianic Jews, and there were those being converted to the ways of faith, but, but some were still locked back in this old way of doing things, and they were rejecting this other thing there. And, and, and because of that, their, their impact, their influence was diminishing because of this whole mentality, right? So how we handle this is so important. What Paul's going to deal with is this. He's going to deal with the fact that Judaism is not about your family line and being a blood Jew. It's about aligning with the faith of Abraham, who is the father of that nation. So Paul says, listen, it is important for you to be a Jew, but not because you share the same blood, because you share the same faith as Abraham. And this is what joins us in. This is where us Gentiles come in, because we're saved by faith in Jesus. We're saved because we ascribe to the same faith that Abraham had, and then we are unified in Christ, okay? So this is this issue that's going to permeate throughout. Okay, now, some, um, some different um, um, ideas or some different themes that are dealt with uh, throughout the book of Romans. I'm going to give these to you, and, uh, and I'm going to try not to preach all of them, and we'll see how that goes. Okay, the first one is this. The first theme that we're going to see throughout the book of Romans is this. It's the gospel. The gospel. Plain and simple, right? We already talked about what it is. But this is like the theme throughout all the book of Romans is the gospel. He's coming back to it all the time. Simple. We're all on the same page. Second theme is the theme of righteousness, okay? We talked about this as well. We talked about how this theme is going to permeate how we need to be right before God and how we are made right before God because of Jesus, okay? So we talk about righteousness, now, I'm going to give you two words that are really going to mess you up, and you get to t- take these away and process them this week. It'll be awesome. The next word here, yeah, I know, Wyatt. I'm so sorry. It's going to confuse you, too. All right. The first word is justification. Justification, okay? I want, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, justification is this Greek word, dikaio, and dikaio It literally means it's a legal word and it's the legal process of being acquitted, of being found innocent and not guilty. It's a legal term. When we are justified in Christ, we are found innocent of all of our sins. This is what happens at the point of conversion is a justification before God. We now stand before God completely justified, absolved of all the things that we've ever done, all the sin because of Jesus. That's justification, okay? This is step one. The second word that we're going to find throughout here is this word, sanctification. Sanctification, okay? Sanctification is the process of working out your justification, You're justified because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And now he's going to take your life and transform it into something beautiful. I got news for you, and this is really exciting news. You don't have to stay where you're at. How many of you are so excited that you're on a forward trajectory in your life? Right? Like, like as cool as you might be right now, you're still messed up. I mean, yeehaw, we're all in the same place here, right? But the hope is that we are being sanctified. We are being continually worked on in our life into becoming who Jesus has paid the price for us to become. You can think about it this way. Justification is what God does for us. Sanctification is what God does with us. Okay? Let that sink in. Justification is what God does for us. Sanctification is what God does with us. 
Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. These two things are going to be in play, and he's going to talk about the importance of both of these throughout as we go through. Okay? Now, all of this is culminated in this fact. This justification and sanctification is, is, is culminated in Philippians, when Paul writes this in Philippians 2. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, here it is, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is he talking about? Sanctification. You were justified, and that was what God did for you. And you now have to be sanctified, which is to work out your salvation. What does it mean to allow the Holy Spirit to continually transform your mind, to transform your heart, to transform your life into something that is beautiful before God, right? This is the combination of those things, okay? We go on that all day long. The next one is this, political opinion. Paul is going to address political opinion. And there was a lot of political opinion, right? I'm not going to say anything more about that because I already did and, and there's already emails. So we're going to, I don't know if there is or not. I haven't checked, but we're going to move on. The next one. Oh, this one's a light one too. Yeah, this is great. Racial prejudice. Yeah, great. Awesome. Wonderful. Racial, pre- racial prejudice. Rachel, wow, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that's, yeah. this is, everybody named Rachel is like, excuse me, uh, racial, he's going to deal with the racial prejudice, okay, the next theme that you're going to find throughout is this, and this one is so important, you guys, it's blaming poor behavior on everything but sin, <laughs> anybody ever done that before? I mean, don't raise your hand or, or nothing, you know, but, oh it's, oh, it's their fault or, oh, it's the situation. Oh, it's, no, we need a really good dose of original sin. We have to understand there is sin and we have absolutely nothing without Jesus. I want to tell you that the week after Easter is going to get real dark. I'm just going to tell you because that's how Paul opens it up. Now, it's not without hope, but we have to get to a place of understanding. Our sin nature is what causes us to do the things that God does not want us to do. We have to come face to face with that. We have to stop making excuses for our life. We have to start claiming that and saying, yep, that's my sin nature. But praise the Lord that it's been covered and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Okay. This is why this is so important. Okay, so why is Romans important? This. How we live is based on what we believe. How we live is, uh, how we live, yep, that's why I said it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise the Lord. Okay, how we live is based on what we believe. How you live your life is going to be based off of what you believe. So Lord, help us to be grounded and believe in the right thing. Help us to not get blown by every doctrine and every thought and every perspective that's out there. Lord, help us to ground ourselves in the truth of your word, in the truth of Romans. I, I, I want to I tell you this, that, that, that even though there's some pieces of Romans that'll be a little bit of like a challenge to walk through and understanding the fullness of it, I actually have so much peace that's brought to me through Romans because it just clearly lays the whole thing out 
for us and makes it really simple as to who we are, who Christ is, and who we are in Christ and the life we're supposed to live. Like it just, it makes it, it just lays it out. And it gives me a lot of hope and a lot of security. And this is how I'm supposed to live my life, right? Okay, so this is Romans. Everyone sound good with that? Okay. It is going to be, it is going to be a, uh, it's going to be a fun journey. It's going to be a very, very fun journey. And, uh, and, and we're going to get ready to wrap up service. And, oh, I should have put money on this. I'm ahead of time. Thank you. Thank you. There Sit down, Lane. <laughs> Clapping is one thing. Standing ovation is another thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, are you guys excited for Romans? I'm excited to go through this. Hopefully, this just whets your appetite a little bit, creates a foundation so we can jump in next week, Easter. Even though it's Easter, I'm telling you what, we're going to go right into it. Verses 1 through 7 lays out the clarity of the gospel, who we are, what we need to understand. I want to invite the worship team to come up, and, uh, and we're going to get ready to just finish our service um, singing Cornerstone. Um, Cornerstone <laughs> is really the pinnacle, and it's the foundational part of Romans. Jesus is our cornerstone. Uh, the weak made strong in the Savior's love. Like the declaration of this song is like, it is Romans. You know, it's like, it's thinking, okay, how are we going to conclude service? Oh, let's just sing scripture. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. We'll do that one. Okay. And so, uh, so that's what we're going to do as we, as we conclude here. But I want to do this before we get into singing a song. The gospel, I presented the gospel to you today. And I recognize that in our lives, we have these moments that is, that is what's called the justification moment or the conversion moment where we begin a journey with God. And what that is, is it's when in our hearts and our mouth, we put our faith and our belief in what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. We actually decide, I'm done trying to earn my own way and I'm ready to receive the life and the forgiveness of Jesus. And, and it's when we make that decision that we enter into a relationship with Jesus where he begins to work on our hearts and in our lives. Before we finish today, I want to give you the opportunity. If you're here today and you've heard me share this gospel to you, but you've never made a decision to actually put your faith in Jesus and declare him as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. And the way that we do that is by praying a prayer. But the prayer, there's nothing special about the words. There's nothing magical about what you're going to say other than it's the connection of your mouth declaring what you are believing in your heart. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and you declare it with your mouth, Romans says this, then you will be saved. Believe in your heart that he's Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So this morning, if that's you and you want to begin that relationship with him, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. We're going to pray a prayer together. And what I want you to do is if this is you and you want to start this relationship, pray it with full faith in your heart. I'm done living my own life. I'm living for you, Jesus, and I need you and I want your justification and your forgiveness. Let's do this. Can we all stand together? And as we stand, go ahead and just close your eyes. And I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. We're all going to do it in this place this morning. Jesus, I come to you today. And I confess, I've been living my own life, doing my own thing, trying to be good. And today, 
I stop that. I put all that down. And I confess what I believe in my heart, that you are my Lord. You died for my sins. You rose again. And you paid for my sins. I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I am new because of the cross. Today, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. You are my Lord and you are my King. And I thank you for making me right before God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we do this? Can we put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer for the first time today?